Hello, and welcome back to another edition of Big Red Huddle. Today is February 17th, 2024. I uh, just got done watching the Nebraska men's basketball team take care of business at home versus Penn State. Uh, we will get into some Nebraska basketball topics today. Uh, we're going to kick off with some Nebraska football. Not a lot going on, but some things behind the scenes that were certainly got our attention. Uh, Nebraska baseball kicks off this week with an, an already with one big win in their back pocket. I uh, want to do a quick shout out to the Nebraska women's basketball team today. And then we'll wrap up with some national headlines. And so maybe a bit of a shorter episode today. Not a lot of nuggets out there. Um, but with that, let's let's huddle up. And as we do uh, most weeks, we are going to start with Nebraska football. That is our bread and butter here at Big Red Huddle. Um couple nuggets from this week i got really three headlines that i want to get into first being glenn thomas uh he had his first press conference on monday i uh, got got to um kind of get to know glenn thomas uh, get a better understanding of his history his approach etc um, pretty bland overall not a lot of major nuggets that came out of that press conference pretty clear he's still getting settled in settled in into his uh, position the last several weeks have been very recruiting heavy um, and then this week, really, the offseason kicks off um, with all of the coaches back um, on campus, uh, starting through winter conditioning. Um, and it gets, gives him an opportunity, really, to learn his room. Um, he's taken time to, obviously, meet individually with his three scholarship quarterbacks, Dylan Raiola, Danny Kaling, and Heinrich Harburg. He also talked about uh, his longstanding relationship with Marcus Satterfield and Matt Rule. Um, this is an interesting um, dynamic as um, it's a very similar situation that occurred back in Temple. So year one, Marcus Satterfield was the uh, offensive coordinator, QB coach. Uh, that team ranked in the hundreds on offense. Sounds familiar, right, to what, what we saw last year. After that first year, Matt Rule brings in Glenn Thomas, uh, moves Marcus Satterfield, Satterfield to tight ends. Glenn Thomas comes over as the QB coach. Saw a big jump in offensive production. Saw a big jump in QB production. Uh, went on to win 10 games that year. And so I'm really um, interested and curious about this move, how it looks. Um, I do think it's a big win for the program overall, as I've talked about before. I'm not as down on Satterfield as an offensive coordinator, as I know some are. Um, a lot of things outside of his control um, occurred in 2023. Um, but now adding Glad Thomas to focus on quarterbacks, where I do think Satterfield struggled and is clearly not uh, where he belongs in his sweet spot. Um, I think that's a big win for that quarterback room. You have a dedicated voice there 24-7. Um, and then Satterfield moving to tight ends, I think, is also a good move for that room. Um, a lot of talent in there. You add Carter Nelson uh, this summer. And so having um, him part of that room is is also, I think, a, a huge upgrade from, from where we were before. And so um, nuts and bolts, uh, his salary was released, going to be paid $800,000 uh, under a two-year contract, pr very typical um, obviously, with that co-offensive coordinator title comes a higher salary. Um, still well underneath uh, Matt Rule's pool of money for assistant coaches. Um, so something that you know we'll keep an eye on over the course of the next few weeks um, as we approach spring ball. I'll be listening, keeping our ear to the ground to hear um, how some of that development is occurring behind the scenes. But second kind of headline here from a football perspective. Uh, winter conditioning is in full force. 
Uh, Matt drills officially underway as of Wednesday. A lot of really uh, neat videos out there coming from the Husker Football X account. Um, also, several assistant coaches out there um, promoting uh, these activities and, and this work. Um, this is really how, what I signify as the kickoff to the 2024 season. So recruiting's in the past, 2023 season's obviously in the past. Um, as players are um, going through these mat drills, coaches can now be on the field and leading these drills. Um, and if you if you really want to dive into some fun reading, um, a lot of articles out there about Matt Rule, his love and dedication for the mat drills, how difficult these workouts are. Um, it really helps build team chemistry, obviously gets the guys into football shape. Um, and, and maybe an, an, another important part of this is it's going to weed out those guys um, that aren't fully invested. Um, these workouts are no joke. You've got people out there puking, passing out. Um, and, and so for, for those individuals to go through this and put their bodies, you know, through, through these types of exercises, you've really got to be invested. And, and with that, we've already seen, um, some attrition on the roster, uh, first being, and probably most prominently being Corey Collier, uh, a safety who transferred in last year from Florida. He's no longer on the roster. Um, what was really interesting with Corey Collier, he came in as a high four-star, even a, a, a fringe five-star out of Florida. He started the spring game, um, which really caught my attention. I didn't necessarily expect that. Um, so they were really high on him in the spring. Um, but between spring and fall camp, or even into fall camp, um, he got passed by quite a few individuals, most notably um, Singleton. Um, now Buford's back, and so on that back end, that's a, we've got a pretty solidified um, back end at the safety position. You add in Tommy Hill's emergence from last year. You obviously have Hartzog. Um, we brought in 10 TBs in this class, so um, starting to really um, – see see like Corey Collier's potential playing time uh, diminish. So he's not officially in the transfer portal as of yet. I will be curious to track that. He is uh, a signee of Matt Rule, so he doesn't have that option to kind of take that, um, I don't know what you want to call it, retirement package I know is what Sean Callahan refers it to, whereas uh, they can keep their scholarship, go to school through graduation, but not count towards the football numbers. That's not an option uh, for Corey Collier since he signed with Matt Rule. Um, so I would anticipate he enters the tr enters the transfer portal at some point, and I think he'll sh he'll show up somewhere probably at some either mid Power Five or upper um, group of five uh, program. So um, I do think we're going to see a lot more attrition in this DB room uh, through spring ball. So something to to keep an eye on there. And then another nugget that probably doesn't get much attention, but I think it does need to be something that we monitor is um, Will DePooter is now off the roster. Many of you are asking, well, who the heck is Will DePooter? Well, he's a long snapper out of Omaha West Side. Uh, there was only coming into the winter and then the spring two long snappers on the roster. Now we're down to just a single long snapper in Camden Watuki. Um, Probably something to monitor under the spring transfer portal. You can obviously bring in a long snapper as a as some sort of walk-on. It's not going to impact the numbers, um, but I, I certainly wouldn't wouldn't feel comfortable going into the season with a single long snapper. So, um, two two players we've seen kind of exit here in the last week. We've talked in previous episodes. This is just the beginning. Um, I would expect upwards of twenty uh, guys to attrit out of this program. Uh, by the time we end spring ball. So 
uh, first two are, are behind us. Um, and then, you know, obviously we'll have the spring transfer portal window, which, you know, I would anticipate one, two, maybe three at the most enter or be added to the roster. And I do think a long snapper is now on that list of, of needs. Um, last topic here from a football perspective, which I found really interesting this week, FanDuel released their 2024 uh, over under win totals for the Big Ten. Um, couple interesting nuggets here uh, at the top end of the spectrum Ohio State and Oregon at ten and a half uh, you've got Michigan Penn State at nine and a half uh, a big glut of teams at seven and a half which includes Nebraska so USC Washington Nebraska Iowa and Maryland at seven and a half um, a little bit surprising Wisconsin at six and a half um, and then you kind of you got your bottom feeders here at five and a half and four and a half, respectively. Rutgers, Northwestern, Michigan State, UCLA, Illinois, Indiana, Minnesota, and Purdue. So from a Nebraska perspective, I think that seven and a half is right on the mark. Um, I can see this team anywhere from probably their ceilings nine to three, their floors probably five and seven. Um, if I was projecting today, I'd probably have them at seven and five. Um, just want to see, you know, specifically Raiola in the spring. Um, I expect that quarterback position to take a leap, um, which isn't saying a lot from what we saw last year. But um, putting that on a true freshman, even as talented as Raiola is, does give me some pause. Um, so that seven and a half number, I think, is accurate. It's a good number. Um, probably will feel stronger on one side or the other of that coming out of spring ball. But some other teams, I think, were were more interesting to me than Nebraska. Uh, first being Michigan at nine and a half. And I've mentioned this in previous episodes. Not only did they lose Jim Harbaugh, but they lost a ton of talent. Um, and they've had a few more enter the transfer portal since um, that 30-day window open. And you also now look at Shrown Moore, his inexperience, which you can see on those in, in, on those hires that are coming into the program. Um, in my mind, nine and a half is way too high. Um, I think eight and four is probably more where Michigan belongs. Um, I could even see them at seven and five. Their schedule is brutal next year. Um, and so go take a look at that schedule. Think about where they're, where, you know, the coaching losses. They could have up to 18 guys drafted, which would be a record. Um, nine and a half is ridiculous for Michigan. A um, couple others. Iowa at seven and a half seems incredibly low to me. Uh, they've got almost their entire production back on the defensive side of the ball. Um, Cade McNamara should be back at quarterback. Um, obviously bringing in a new offensive coordinator there. Seven and a half seems low to me. Um, they don't have an overly difficult schedule, probably a little bit tougher than Nebraska's, but still not a gauntlet like a Michigan or even a UCLA. Um, so seven and a half there seems low. Um, Washington at seven and a half, right? Just got done playing for a national title, obviously lost their coach, losing a ton of talent, but they're all the way down to seven and a half. Um, I wouldn't touch that. I have no idea what to expect out of Washington, but that's just an interesting number to me. And then the last one, UCLA um, at five and a half, just an absolute brutal schedule, which we're going to talk about here shortly in our national headlines. Um, I would go under all day at UCLA at five and a half. So something that, you know, it'd be interesting to track over the offseason, how these numbers fluctuate. 
Um, but always fun to get those early numbers in February. Gets a uh, good talking point. Uh, for Nebraska, though, seven and a half. Um, I, I think that number is really good. I would be happy at eight and four for sure. Uh, seven and five, I think, would even obviously be a huge improvement, maybe a little bit of a um, disappointment. Um, but when you don't make a bowl game in seven years, uh, probably shouldn't be overly disappointed with seven and five. So I'm not ready to make any projections on this team. I want to get through spring ball, um, and then we'll start to break down the schedule. Um, break down the roster, the depth chart, et cetera. And then we'll get a better sense of, of I think, where, where Nebraska's record probably belongs. So we'll transition off of football with that. We're going to get into basketball. Um, good week of basketball results. Uh, we recorded last week before the Michigan game. I told you guys that game was going to be a blowout. It was. Uh, we were up 30 early in the first half. I think it was 43-13. I might be off a digit or two there. Just blitzed them from the tip. They didn't look interested at all. Uh, Tomanaga with 19, Josiah Alec with 16. Um, just uh, really need to hold serve in the at home here throughout the end of the year. Um, we talked about last week this seven-game stretch where I think we will be favored in every single game, even on the road. If not favored, only a dog by one or two. Um, we're at the point where... We, we need to avoid bad losses. We're not going to get a lot of opportunities for big wins or quality wins. Luckily, we already have those in our back pocket with Purdue, Wisconsin, um, and even Michigan State at this point. Um, and so, you know, came out, took care of business. Similar story uh, today. Uh, just got done watching the Penn State game a bit ago. 19-point win. Um, kind of a sluggish start, which wasn't overly surprising coming off of a, a, a week uh, week off. Um, 68-49 the final. Tomonaga goes off with 17 again. He's now playing much more consistent, um, and we're starting to see the effort on the defensive end. Um, I know I've been critical of him on the defensive end on the last few podcasts. Very excited to see that development. Obviously, on the offensive side, when he gets going, um, it, it's, it's a lot of fun to watch. Uh, Gary with 13, Mast with 12. Um, just an incredibly deep team. That's what's exciting about this. Uh, you know, Williams today only had two, uh, and you still win by 19. Um, I don't have C.J. Wilcher's stat line in front of me. I, I got the box score in the other room. Um, he, he's been quiet the last two games, but still, win by 19. You can't complain. Um, you got some guys that are struggling a little bit. Um, you know, the, you know they're going to go off here at some point, um, and hopefully it's it's on the road. And so, um, took care of business at home. Now we kind of take a, a a wider look at the season holistically, where we stand um, as of this morning in the net. We are sitting at fifty three which was plus four from this time last week. We should see that number go up a few spots after the win today. Um, as of this morning, Joe Lenardi has us as an 11 seed um, playing Texas Tech, one of the last four buy games or buys um, uh, to get into the field. Um, Jerry Palm has us as a last four in playing in Dayton in one of those what I call play-in games, also as an 11 seed. So we're right on that that bubble and that cusp. Um, there's a, a, a website out there, though, um, I can't remember what it's called, Basketball Matrix or Tournament Matrix, something like that, where they track essentially all of these bracketologists. 
And Nebraska's in like 94, 95% of the brackets currently with like almost 100 out there. So Nebraska's currently in the tournament. I'm not concerned about that. But the way the schedule lays out now is there's a lot of opportunities for bad losses, not any opportunities for big wins. And so and we talked about this last week on the seven-game stretch. I said if we can go 6-1, and one, we're in the tournament, 5-2, and two, um, going to need some help in the Big Ten tournament. Anything worse, um, going to need to make a major run in the Big Ten tournament. So we're two games through the seven, both wins, both by double digits, um, took care of business at home. And so now as we push this forward, we got five games left, still saying we need to go four and one um, based off of my projections. And and if you look at this, it just I mean, it couldn't set up any better. Um, at Indiana on Wednesday, they're 99th in the net. A huge opportunity to get our first road Big Ten win. Um, I like our matchup there a lot. Um, they play tomorrow, and so they're going to have a two-day turn. Where we're going to have a three-day turn. Obviously, we have to travel. Um, they're they're about ready to cash their season in. Turn around, we have Minnesota at home. This is a tricky game. We don't match up well with Minnesota. They're 81 in the net, but we are at home. So that's next Sunday night. Um, from there, we turn around and go at Ohio State. Uh, they're 71st. That If they stay there, it's an opportunity for a quad one. They just fired their coach, though. So I I don't know what to think about that team now. Do, do they fold? Um, do they do they wrap up their season and, and go home and start thinking transfer portal, who the next coach is, et cetera, et cetera? If that's the case, um, huge opportunity to win on the road. Their net's probably going to plummet, so it ends up being a quad two. But still, any road win right now is big for this team. Uh, come home, Rutgers. Uh, match up really well with Rutgers. Shouldn't be any problem at home there. And then we finish at Michigan. Um, we just blitzed Michigan. Uh, so uh, would expect a win there, but it's on the road again. So huge, three huge opportunities on the road. Um, I do think we could be favored in all three. Um, certainly should be favored at Indiana and at Michigan. We'll see at Ohio State. But, again, uh, seven-game stretch. We're 2-0. and I'm thinking 6-1 and gets us in. Um, and so a huge, huge, huge opportunity here for the, the men. Um, on the women's side, though, I do want to take just, you know, 30 seconds and call out. Uh, last Sunday, uh, Nebraska women take down Iowa, 82-79. Um, I don't watch a lot of women's basketball. I watched this one from from tip to finish. Um, it, it I, I couldn't have been more proud of a Nebraska sporting um, team than the Nebraska women last Sunday. Um, you had the entire country watching on Big Fox. The entire country outside of Nebraska fans were there to watch Caitlin Clark break the record. Um, Iowa's up 14, I think is the number, going into the fourth quarter. Uh, Caitlin Clark only needs eight points to break the record um, and just in an incredible fourth quarter by the Nebraska women, Jazz Shelley specifically, um, several huge shots there. Uh, Caitlin Clark goes over six from the floor, doesn't score in the fourth quarter for the first time in her career. Nebraska women come back, win by three. Um, obviously a huge, huge win for their tournament aspirations. Um, but more importantly, didn't allow Clayton Clark to break the record on, on our floor in our house. Um, and we get a huge win for, for our resume. Huge fan here, Caitlin Clark. I'm not going to say anything negative about her, but I really didn't want her to, 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 to get that record on our floor. So huge shout-out to the, to the Nebraska women uh, last Sunday. That was incredibly fun um, and another fun team to, to follow.
So that's basketball uh, this week. Um, transition here to Nebraska baseball. Um, Nebraska baseball, it's, it's what, February 17th, and, and we're already playing baseball. you got to love it. Spring's right around the corner. Um, kick off, kicked off their season this weekend in Arlington, Texas at Globe, uh, Globe Life Field, uh, the home of the World Series champion Texas Rangers. Uh, watched the game last night or yesterday, uh, Friday versus Baylor. Um, big first win of the year, 4-1. to one. Um, Historically, obviously as a northern team, as we travel south on these early weekends, we really struggled against some of these better teams. And so to get um, a win there to kick off the season was huge. Now Baylor's picked on the bottom bottom third of the Big 12 standings, but um, obviously have a uh, have have quite a bit of talent there. And so to get that win is big. Um, Brett Sears with a great outing, five and a third, seven Ks, one earned run. A uh, bullpen came in and really dominated. Tucker Timmerman, Kyle Perry, and Casey uh, Daisy, uh, extremely strong, shut the door there. Uh, lineup took a while to get going here, which isn't unexpected with a northern team coming in and facing live pitching um, for so sometimes the first uh, first time. Uh, 14 strikeouts overall through the lineup, but we came on late. Dylan Carey, uh, two big hits, two doubles, two RBIs. Uh, Garrett Anglum came in late for defensive purposes, and then he had an opportunity at the plate, hit a solo shot to provide insurance. Uh, so huge, huge, huge win for the baseball team. Um, get another game today, uh, later this afternoon, versus Texas Tech. They're 21st in the country. They lost to Tennessee last night. And then Sunday versus Oklahoma. And so I thought coming into this weekend, let's just get one, find a way to get one um, from these Big 12 schools. We've already got the one, so now let's get greedy, right? Let's let's get one more, um, and I think those will be huge, huge wins as we um, look at the RPI later in the year. So we'll be following that this weekend. And then next weekend, they travel out to Phoenix for a four-game set versus Grand Canyon. Uh, don't know much about Grand Canyon. We'll start to research them. Uh, later this week, but that series kicks off on Thursday and then goes uh, goes through Sunday. And so Nebraska baseball is off and running, and uh, that that ballpark is fun uh, to attend when Will Bolt can get those things get that thing moving forward. So excited for that, uh, and we'll continue to follow. All right, let's wrap up. Uh, with some national storylines, um, three headlines here before we wrap up. First off, um, and I mentioned this last week, and I told everybody, I said, keep an eye on it. It's sneaky. It it, it has me worried. Um, but Deshaun Foster ultimately takes the uh, UCLA job. Um, I told you last week Tony White was uh, a candidate. Um, I'm here to tell you he was a final candidate. Matt Rule's even been on the radio now saying and confirming that he talked to the UCLA AD. Um, Tony White was in the office late last week. Uh, preparing for that interview, talking with UCLA. Um, he really did everything he could to present himself as the best possible candidate. Um, and, and let's be honest, he's a much better candidate than Deshaun Foster, who's never been a head coach or even a coordinator. Um, but Foster got this job because of his connection with the current roster and his ability to keep the team together. Um, and, and more than ever, current players have... Uh, tremendous power on a roster. Um, if if Tony White were to have gotten this job, there's no doubt that there would have been an exodus. You know how big? I, you know nobody knows. Um, 
but by them bringing in and retaining Deshaun Foster, it keeps uh, that that group together. Um, I'm bummed for Tony White. Um, he's going to be a head coach. He's going to be a tremendous head coach. He's got all of the qualities I would look for in a head coach. But you know, this is a huge win for Nebraska. Um, it ensures another year of continuity. Um, obviously, you don't want to be looking for a defensive coordinator in mid to late February. Um, I think we need to enjoy Tony White this year because this time next year, I would fully expect him to have a head job um, somewhere in the country, and and I will certainly uh, be following him as I I couldn't be a bigger fan. But as you turn the picture for to UCLA, um, who is an opponent next year, they come to Lincoln in November. They have just an absolutely brutal schedule next year. Um, I'm going to run through this real quick. Um, at Hawaii, home versus Indiana, at LSU versus Oregon, at Penn State versus Minnesota, at Rutgers, at Nebraska, home against Iowa, at Washington, home against USC, and finish off at home versus Fresno State. It's absurd. That's that's crazy. So as I was talking about over-unders earlier, five and a half for UCLA, no way. Um, not not going to happen. Uh, love Nebraska in that spot too with a Southern California team coming to Lincoln in November. Um, it's, it's, it's just brutal. And then you read some things in The Athletic where UCLA's from an NIL perspective is nowhere near competing. They've got under a million dollars in, in total funds for their entire roster. Um, that's a really tough position. And so while I'm bummed for Tony White, I think he can probably um, get a, a better job that will set him up for long-term success somewhere else next year. I know that's his alma mater. Um, I know he really wanted that job, but that's that's a ticking time bomb um, out there in Southern California. So we'll follow follow UCLA next year, obviously, as an opponent of Nebraska, but just a, a really interesting choice uh, for them. Um, pivoting real quick, just an interesting story. I don't have any insight on this. It's just I've never seen it before. Uh, Georgia State head coach Sean Elliott uh, resigned mid-spring practice, two practices in, and is taking the tight end job at South Carolina. Not a coordinator job, a position coach job at South Carolina. Uh, so Georgia State is forced to suspend spring practices, mid-spring practice after two uh, with him leaving, um, just a crazy national story. It does sound like there may be some family components uh, behind the scenes that may be pushing this decision. So um, I don't know what those are, um, but I just think it's 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 fascinating. And then when you look at where he's going, right? South Carolina coach Shane Beamer is is also on the hot seat himself. Um, he's just twenty and eighteen in three seasons. Uh, many early um, pronostications have him in the 12 to 14 range in the SEC. Uh, so this could be his last year. And then, you know, as I think of Sean Elliott, you just gave up a head coaching job to take a tight end coaching job, and you might be there one year. Um, just a really head-scratching uh, move overall. And then we'll wrap up with the Super Bowl. So I gave my prediction and breakdown last week. I said Chiefs 27-21. Uh, not too far off. I'll take it. Chiefs 25-22. Uh, game played out very much like I described. Uh, 49ers dominated the line of scrimmage early. I was shocked that they went away from the running game um, later in the third quarter. Um, 
you know, where I was certainly wrong, though, is I I, I gave a huge edge uh, in the quarterback game to Mahomes. I just wasn't necessarily a big believer in Purdy in that spot. Huge Purdy fan, but in that spot, first Super Bowl appearance going up against Mahomes. It was his fourth appearance. Um, Purdy's legit. He didn't, he didn't lose that game at all. Um, he he did everything he needed to do to win that game, took care of the ball, made some big-time throws. Um you know, the biggest head scratcher for me, and it's been talked about nationally for the last week, and I said it at the moment, I don't know what Shanahan was thinking taking the ball um, first in, in overtime. Um, just not a good look for his squad when you've got players coming out and saying they didn't even talk about um, the new playoff rules, weren't aware of them. Um, his reasoning is extremely flawed in, in my mind. He said he really wanted the ball third. Um, if he were to score, then the Chiefs were to score as well. Um, Mahomes came out after the game and said, well, there wasn't ever going to be a third possession because if they scored a touchdown, they were going for two. So um, really, probably, maybe, I don't know, turned out to be the difference in the game. Got to give a lot of credit to Andy Reid. Kansas City um, certainly um, planned for it, had covered it with their team, had a, had a solid plan and understanding of the rule going in. Um, Chiefs back-to-back, three in five years, certainly a dynasty at this point. Um, moral of the story, don't bet against Patrick Mahomes. Just um, proved it again. He's he's one of the all-time greats uh, just seven years into his career. Um, obviously, has a ways to go to catch Tom Brady and his seven. Um, but, man, he's, he's fun to watch. So with that, um, like I said, probably a little bit of a shorter episode today. Um, we are going to wrap up. Uh, you can catch us, as always, on iTunes, Spotify, uh, YouTube or our website at bigredhuddle.com. Uh, if you listen in any of those apps, please um, provide a rating. Uh, give us some feedback. If it's on YouTube, give us a thumbs up, subscribe. Uh, we will huddle up next week with another pod. Uh, until then, go Big Red. Have a great week.